0: welcome to some derps talk about games i'm your co-host mango and i am your co-host buddy and today we're going to talk a little bit about a skills commercial before we do that Buddy, you want to tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast <laughs>
1: <laughs> on this podcast we talk about games uh, but we also talk about movies. Frankly, we are more of a movies podcast this year. We have been doing all these Fast and Furious movies. The next, like, four weeks are, like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back to back releases, right? We got Mario Brothers, which is at least somewhat games-related, right? Yeah. Um, John, John Wick. Wick. Um, Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons, right? Also somewhat game-related. Um, so it's just, like, a million things coming. Uh, coming coming right around the yeah.
0: corner. And soon it'll be time for probably another Marvel movie. But... We're talking about their, uh, you know, through a mirror, darkly cousins in the DCEU. (laughs) Uh, Right. That's the other movie that's coming out soon is the the flash with. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Because Miller wasn't controversial enough. They gave us
1: two. as Weirdly, weirdly, way more talked about movie than Shazam. I feel like Shazam Fury of the Gods. I don't even know that it's here. Like, I don't like no one is talking about it. There's no fucking commercials. Right. I feel like I didn't see a single trailer for it it just is here oh sure it's here um, and uh, you know it's making the box office to match which is to say not a lot pretty pretty dismal showing all things considered I guess that's what you get when you put out a gigantic movie and don't market it at all yeah um, <laughs> so yeah no it's weird because like I, I would see previews for it
0: at like the at the theater right like it would show up in front of other movies but like outside of that. Right, like, um, friend of the cast, Zhao linked an article that was from the Onion. That was basically like, um, like you know, we can confirm that Shazam has come out, and like, like you know, like that the whole the whole joke is that like you know <laughs> that it was released, right? Like, um, but yeah, let's give our uh, pre-spoiler impressions. Uh, what did you think of this movie?
1: You know, I just kind of thought it was fine. There's like, I, I wouldn't go to bat for this movie in any meaningful sense. But like, just to describe, maybe I just went into this in in a weird way. I, You know, I watched it at like 1030 at night, completely empty theater, right? And uh, I don't know, I just got sort of swept up in some of the emotionality of it all. I cried three times, which was very just like, it reminds me of the first Shazam. There was a real big gut punch in there, Um, sort of this emotional gut punch. Um, and there were a couple of them in here that were very similar, right? Like, you know, um, just like spots that tugged on the old heartstrings and they got me and I don't know. It was just sort of, uh, it was just sort of fun. It's pretty stupid. It was pretty like dumb in like a plot sense. I, you know, I, I, I was never really, um, I don't know. I feel like I I feel like I'm saying that like a kids movie is predictable. It's like sort of not the point, you know? But like yeah, the the plot was just kind of like whatever. The villains were pretty bad all things considered. They were okay. You know, they were they were like enough, like C minus villains basically. Um, I don't know. That's I like that's how I feel about it. I did not feel like I wasted my money. There you go. That's the best <laughs> endorsement that I could possibly give.
0: <laughs> all right. I I am significantly worse than the movie. I thought it was I was I'm with you on that kind of like it's fine aspect up until basically the final act at which point I think it just falls off a cliff um and like um I referenced it at the beginning of this podcast but there's a moment that like really really soured me
1: on it I think like kind of like put me through the looking oh glass Oh my god it. I remember I thinking that moment I was like Meg is going to hate this I I didn't think he would take the whole movie but I legitimately <laughs> thought at the time I was like you are going to fucking hate this <laughs> Um,
0: yes, but, like, also, like, it's also when, like, I think that the problems with the plot start really snowballing into something that, like, really aggravates me. Like, it, it just, like, it was, I felt like it lacked any kind of of the little pieces, right? Like, I don't think the through line they were going for worked. Um, like, I don't think there was, like, a, like, the, like, the character development, like, went in the direction they wanted it to. There were also, like, very weird moments. There were some, like, impactful moments sure but like at once they kind of hit like that that big kind of final battle scene that comprises like the last third of the movie um i just thought it was like not like the characters were like in some ways too stupid to be believable and also like there were just like other things that were happening that were like nonsensical um and that bothered me and i don't hate like i don't like Despise this movie like I have some other movies, right? But let's like, I was just like, so after the first post credit scene, which I also really despised, I thought that was really bad. I don't hold that against the movie because like post credit scene or, scenes or whatever, um, I got up and then I saw someone else and it was like, oh, there's a second one of these, isn't there? Um, and I was contemplating just walking out because I didn't care. And like, <laughs> like, for you, People out there, I sat <laughs> and watched it, and it wasn't worth it. um that second post credit scene was absolutely no- again, not a, like oh, like God, course, I disliked the post credit so scenes funny. um uh but like i don't hold like that is not why I am against this movie um mm-hmm. they' are ju- it's just notable that like I don't think they were worth waiting after for um but yeah, all right, we're gonna hit the the spoiler section, I guess, yeah. All right. If sure. You, if, yeah. Uh, spoilers ahead for primarily Shazam 2, perhaps Shazam 1, um, also any other DCEU properties. Uh, so if you are interested in seeing this movie or any related properties, uh, get out now. Three, two, one. All right. So uh, where do you want to start with this?
1: I I don't super know. I guess I'm interested in this, in the thing sort of breaking down in the back half, because I I do feel you. In terms of, like, raw plot and stakes and all of that sort of stuff, I do think that this kind of hits that... um, You know, somebody in an article a couple of years ago talked about, like, third act mush, which is this idea that basically since the Avengers, right, we've sort of had this issue of... Third acts just kind of become super CGI punch fests, right? And everything just, like... It feels like I'm watching an actor's face float around in front of a green screen. Um, And... That's sort of where all semblance of plot and character and story sort of like fall apart, right? Um, you know, there aren't real stakes. You don't have a sense of real goals. There's not a plan, right? That, that people are trying to you know like enact or whatever. It is just can I punch enough guys, you know, to to sort of win for thirty minutes? And I and I sympathize with third act mush quite a lot. I think a lot of I think a lot of movies have problems with third act mush, right? Um, but I think a lot of movies don't, right? Um, you know, so for instance would be a good example of not third act mush. Man of Steel, you know what, let's just go to the easy place. Man of Steel is not third act mush because it very clearly lays out the plan for what these characters are going to accomplish, right? And then it follows kind of traditional storytelling stakes, right? Which is the twist in the third act kind of happens halfway through. The twist in the third act is that Zod does not get sucked into the exploding black hole in the center of the Black Zero, right? And he's on the ground, and now Superman has to 1v1 Zod through the streets of Metropolis, ultimately culminating in him snapping his neck, right? Um, that, that's like a very traditional sort of approach to sort of third-act uh, third act sticks. I think the third-act mush that has come about... Uh, Ant-Man would be a really good example, actually, of third-act mush. Um, is just when there's a lot of... Like nameless, faceless goons that are just ge- being batted away, right? When Shazam was doing third act stuff that was, you know, the all the stuff, for instance, in the dome, right? At, at the very end of the movie, there's this dome over Philadelphia. He makes a deal with one of the gods to shrink the dome to just be over the Phillies stadium, where Shazam shoots lightning inside of the dome and the lightning is ricocheting everywhere. Um, and and, there's a, and he's fighting a dragon, right? He's just going one toe-to-toe with this dragon. That stuff was great. That worked for me, right? But there was, I, out, like just before that and outside of all that, there's this thing of they plant a tree in the fucking stadium, and the tree does roots everywhere, and then popping out of the roots are all of these mythical Greek monsters, like harpies and manticores and the cyclops and the minotaur, and like... I actually sort of like the idea of that, but it is the truest third-act mush I've ever fucking experienced in my life, right? They are there for a couple of scenes. They do essentially nothing. There's one minor plot point that takes place, and then this thing is wrapped up off-screen. You know, like, there's no there's no follow-up to it. You just, you just watch them chase these monsters off, and then eventually they sort of, like, fade out of existence later. And I was just like, this... This this means zero to me. This added nothing to the movie, right? Um, I God, I just wish that we we were dealing with the big stuff that mattered, right? Um, and I feel like that's sort of where I'm at when it comes to this this third act uh, this third act stuff on like a plot level. So I I agree with
0: you in kind of like form, but that like I I don't think the dome stuff was particularly good. There was a, there was some stuff in there that like bothered me and kind of like a this kind of like, you know. It skates the line between like this is kind of nitpicky and also like like this is too dumb for me to forgive, right? Like, um, um, the only I, I will say did get some joy out of the tree, um, just because I hate Philadelphia and it was nice to see it destroyed. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah. yeah, that's that's right, Philly, you suck. Um, but you know. That, that that that's more of like a meme response for me, right? But like you know, like I was already form- formulating the jokes in my head. It's like you know, you know, oh, Shazam's the villain because he's keeping the terrible city of Philadelphia from being destroyed. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the meme- memes aside, I just like I I I. <laughs> uh, Lou says next play the stream title. Um I have titled the stream
1: Philadelphia deserved it. Um, so. <laughs> Damn, uh, <laughs> go easy. My father in law is from Philadelphia, right? And he loves the Eagles. Okay, he loves the King of Prussia Mall and his water ice fountains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but uh, but yeah, no. Um, I, you know, uh, like I said, memes aside, like I agree with you entirely. The monsters are just kind of like whatever, right? Like, um, again, this this also leads to like, like I said, my my probably single least favorite part of this movie is the part that is literally a skills commercial right like um you know we find out through means that the re- the way that um you know the things that the monsters are scared of are unicorns right and unicorns like dark caves and ambrosia cuz unicorns aren't like sparkly unicorns they are like you know uh they are dark badass bad unicorns, unicorns yeah um and you know and and the little girl member of the the team is like, I like unicorns, and she doesn't care. And then when the unic when they face down the unicorn, she throws fucking skittles at it, cause skittles are just like ambrosia. And she says, "Taste the rainbow, motherfucker!" At one point, that gets like comedically cut off for like you know funny censorship reasons and i was so fucking mad like i would <laughs> not have minded if like the skittles were like a little thing the fact that it was so clearly an ad place right like like it wasn't like it wasn't product placement it was an ad and that's what bothered me right like this is this is like freaking the girl could have like turned to the camera and said we'd like to thank skittles like, for bringing this movie to theaters, right? Like, you know, like, like a YouTube video or something. And it would have been less out of place than it was in the actual movie. Um,
1: yeah, I, I have complicated things about this because I actually do like the pop culture references that the movie that the movie makes, right? There's a part, for instance, elsewhere in the movie where Shazam, you know, says, because I've watched all the Fast and Furious movies, you know what that, those movies are about? Right. Family, Family, right? That's in the trailers, right? That is inoffensive. It's fine. You yeah. like it's fine, right? Uh, because it because I do think we kind of live in this pop culture saturated world, right? Where like you can make these sorts of references because it's the way that people talk, right? Sure. Like it's 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 th- th- those sorts of memes don't um, don't kind of bother me. But uh, yep, the Skittles thing I think was bad. Um, it was, fr- frankly, I think that whole sub little plot was awful. I was like. This is the worst, like, stealing focus bullshit that I could ever, that I could, like, possibly think of. Um, but, you know, it, uh, they, I don't know, they, they went for it. I, I basically hated all of that stuff. Um, I hated the battle wagon, you know, thing that crashed into a minotaur. They have, like, all these bits. I, like, I, I don't want to punish the movie too much for, for having its bits because I think that's part of the charm. Right, uh it's a pretty it's a pretty pretty memey yeah. jokey movie all things considered. I don't mind that whatsoever. Um but like all of that stuff is really when it started to grate on me. Um and uh and kind of took its toll, I guess I would say.
0: Yeah. No, and you know, I also like it being a jokey memey movie is fine, but there are a couple of moments that like really kind of like tore me out of it. The first one was relatively early on when um the villain, uh, I, like names like Constance or something. One of the sisters, um, Clipso. Clipso, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, like causes a the the a good you know a teacher to to walk off a roof and commit suicide. Right. Like that was fucking rough. Right. Yeah. Like, I was like, there's no way they let that happen, and then they let it fucking happen. And she talks about him popping like a grape. I'm like, what the fuck? Right. Like that is like that's like not the attitude i was getting from this movie and you know like again, like that was fine but like the other the other half this is, but this is the one that bothers me more is um at the end of the movie um uh Shazam Billy Batson um dies right or like we are led to believe he dies and i didn't believe it for even like a quarter of a second right like um like I was like like and they they bury him I'm like are they actually are they just gonna like do a Superman again because like I was there was no way they let him die and then they have Gal Gadot like this is the, this is another m- minor thing that like just bothered me because I could tell it's like Gal Gadot who is clearly never on set with anybody else in the cast right like her part was clearly filmed entirely <laughs> separately and like edited together with the rest of the cast right like um which was which is was funny in the first movie in the post credit scene, um, where Superman was, like, neck up, right, like, I thought that was funny, or neck down, rather, um, and in his dream, where you, you're just seeing the back of, of Wonder Woman, right, because, you know, then you don't, you don't, you know, you just use a, like, I thought that was all pretty funny, but th- this last one was, like, be- because they lampshaded it so hard, I, I, feel like it was primed to notice that she wasn't actually on set with them, right, like, um, and I think that just, like, kind of undercut the, the the moment in a way that I thought if she was actually there, right, like, like in – it would have been her. Maybe I'm a little too, too sensitive to that because, like, we've been, like, doing this podcast for, like, six or seven years now, and I yeah. notice these kinds of things. Maybe your average viewer doesn't notice it. Um, but, like, I feel like her clearly not being on set with them just undercut that whole moment.
1: You know, it's interesting. The thing that the thing that bothered me about that moment, and actually, frankly, sucked the hardest in this whole movie, was the music, right? Because they use, and I hate that I'm I'm about to complain about this because I actually like this thing quite a lot, right? One of the things that I think sucks the most about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is its music, um, because every movie doesn't respect its own sort of light motifs. Um, you know, light motifs being like a like a story based phenomenon of a musical sort of, like a melody or like a musical phrase that is associated with a noun, essentially, right? Like a person or a place or a thing. Wonder Woman has that. She has that crazy cello thing that Hans Zimmer wrote in 2016 for Batman vs. Superman, which is like epic and awesome and super great. Um, and then it would later show up again in the Wonder Woman movie, which was perfect, right? It frames, it's like, oh, this is, you know, the... This is the Wonder Woman theme, right? My problem with that moment was they didn't ch- they to like back up a second. The thing about the leitmotif that makes it a leitmotif is the recognizable melody, right? If I were to hum, for instance, the uh you know, the Force theme, right? The Like the twin suns, the binary sunset, that force theme, right? That is a musical phrase that shows up a bunch in Star Wars, but it, but it crucially shows up in very different forms, right? So, for instance, I was, for dumb reasons, watching Attack of the Clones again. And there's a moment where Anakin and Obi-Wan are about to, to split up, where Anakin's going to go with Padme, Obi-Wan's going to go chase after Jango Fett, um, where Anakin is walking away and Obi-Wan says, Anakin, may the force be with you and they kind of smile. Yeah, you know, they've been a little contentious, but they kind of smile at one another. These you know, like these are friends saying goodbye. Uh, and he says may the force be with you. And then the, the the theme plays, right? But it doesn't play with those big horns, right? It plays in a very small, very light violin, right? Just kind of under underlying that whole situ- that, that that whole thing, right? Um when Wonder Woman shows up in this solemn super like emotional moment as they bury uh, Billy Batson, who has given his life for the people of Philadelphia, right? They use the full bore... The maximum volume, distorted electric cello version of the Wonder Woman thing. And it was the most dissonant possible thing you could have done to throw me out of that scene, right? If you wanted to use the leitmotif, that's fine. But like, have the timbre of the music match the intentions and like the emotional state of the scene itself. Cause otherwise, you are just cooking up some rancid vibes. Is there that that, that was my thing uh, about, about Wonder Woman and everything else. Yeah, no. No, weirdly, that was also a place that I cried. So, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: no, that's that, that's fair enough. Um, I do kind of want to go back to this kind of like last scene in the dome with the, uh, with the lightning bolts. Um, sure. Just because like, you know, like, again, little, little stuff that like bothered me, but ultimately probably isn't a deal breaker is like, why is he flying straight at the fucking dragon? Right? Like, he does like duck underneath the dragon at one point. He's like, why are you? not doing that the entire time, right? Like, I also thought that, like, you know, they burn his out- outfit pretty crispy. I'm like, oh, is there going to be, a, like, a Black Adam thing here? None of that in there. Um, uh, uh, but, like, um, as as she's dying, the oldest sister, um, like, I can't remember her name either. Um, Hespera. Hespera, believe- yeah, Hespera. Um, Hespera um, says, a true god after all, I'm like, where did that come from? Like, th- there's nothing in the text, or even in like, I guess the meta. Like, there's nothing here that like makes that line make any sense, right? And again, not a huge deal, but it's like one of these things that kind of like starts building up, and it's like I, you know, I feel like I this this movie's gone over a cliff that I that I, I don't think it can recover from, like like.
1: Yeah, you just can't climb back up there. Yeah. You are you're plummeting like the bus in Fast and Furious yeah. 6. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so so like clearly part of this um that's 7, I guess. Right? Ramsey is 7. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. it's Fast 7.
0: It's 7. Yeah. So p- part of this is like, you know, the this movie I think is supposed to to, you know, to, to borrow a phrase, rhyme like poetry with the first one. Right, the first one's about Billy learning to trust other people and place his faith in the, faith in other people, and that they won't always let you down. This movie is about him, ostensibly about him believing in himself and his own competency, and not constantly trying to delegate out to others. But I don't really get enough of that. Like, like it's that's kind of like muddled with this other thing about like you know you can let people go and. And, like, I feel like the themes were, like, very muddled and not very well developed and, like, not, like – do you see what I'm getting at? Like, like maybe I'm not giving enough of its due, but, like, it, it felt like one of the themes was supposed to be, like, you always defer to um, the older sister, Megan, maybe um, – uh, Mary, Mary, Mary. Yes, thank you. Sorry, I, as you can tell, I'm not great with the names of characters in, in any of sure. the movies. Sure, yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, like he always defers to Mary on what to do because he doesn't, I guess, believe in himself enough. Although he is trying to, like, you know, run this like like very kind of like big, you know, um, you know, project manager energy with his like postmortems with the, <laughs> with the TV screen, right? Like, and you know, I enjoyed that for like comedic beats, but it's like, it's it's you know. It's like, like I think the movie wants us to think that he's like growing into his role as kind of like the leader of the Philadelphia fiasco. Right. Like or, you know, but like it doesn't like really sell that to me. It also like feels like he was like kind of trying to do that in some some instances, but also like not, it just didn't feel like a good arc that like made coherent sense to me. You, you, you How do you feel about it?
1: Oh, I I guess I sort of see see what you're getting at. Really, the thing that I connected with, um, that made it that made it so meaningful. There's two pieces that were that was so meaningful. One was Billy. So it it's kind of this like one two three of Billy feeling imposter syndrome, being told by the wizard directly, like I fucked up by picking you. I should not have picked you, right? And then in the parking lot, the wizard actually going, you know what? I was I I I was correct to pick you because I was too miserly with this power, right? You have given it to your family unconditionally because you unconditionally love them and that's great. That's just like really nice or whatever. I like I I that worked that worked completely well for me. But the moment there that really hit me was when there's a lot of, like, unconditional effortless acceptance in this movie, I guess, was when he was like, and, you know, like, I know that I turn 18 in five months and I'm going to age out of the program or whatever. And his mom was like, shut the fuck up. Like, I, I'm your mom. You're staying with us. Don't even think about that. And I just couldn't, I like, bawled. I, like, couldn't handle just uh, how I, it wasn't just that she said it. Because I was expecting her to say it, right? They set this up with this yeah. thing where he calls her Rosa. He doesn't really call her mom, right? That This kind of thing. Um, but it was just the way in which she was just like... There was no art. It was it was so obvious that she that it was almost funny that she had to say something, and there's something about that that just like hit me where I fucking lived. Uh, but really, what it comes down to for me is that is this thing with the with him and the wizard, right? When the wizard says, you know, like I couldn't find anyone to give the power to, and then I gave it to you, and you found. You know that everyone around you was worthy of this was, were, was like worthy of this power. I thought that that was great. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, so I, I I get that, and I think I think that that's like a I think it's a decent moment, but I don't think the rest of the text really like builds to that moment in a way that like makes sense, right? Because like like that moment. Like so, so that's like the one thread, right? That like you know the wizard is having regrets or whatever, right? Which but that always, like, that moment says to me that like Billy Batson was always correct, whereas like the arc of this movie wants to be that Billy Batson needs to grow in some way, right? And tell, wants to tell you that he's grown, but doesn't really sell that to me, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. On like the family moment, I get that, and I felt myself like feeling, like, teary-eyed at it, but I also felt like it was super emotionally manipulative, and I was, like, 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 there was the part of me that was, like, like, physically reacting to it, but there was my brain part was, like, this is, like, this is, like, really, like, um, rough, right, like, in, like, kind of, like, a, this is really kind of, like, like you said, it's very obvious, and that, to me, felt like it was just kind of, like, Trying to, like, just yank on the lever rather than do it with any sort of, like, artfulness or, or,
1: uh... Yeah, it's like, uh, the the thing I always... My benchmark for this is Inside Out. There's this imaginary friend character, like Bobo or whatever, the fucking pink elephant guy. Yeah, and it's like, I... That character has never worked for me. Um, mostly, actually, because Rachel pointed this out to me, she was just like, it was just from the moment he existed, he was there to be to tug on your heartstrings and then be killed off so right. that you'd feel sad about it, and that like broke the mechanism such that I couldn't feel anything. I was just like, "Fuck you, movie, trying to force me to feel feelings," <laughs> right, like <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because like, there's some stuff that I buy in on, in some tubs that, that that I doesn't. It's funny because Shazam is kind of um, um, a good sort of you know like there's I don't think there's any bad filmmaking. There's only sort of bad executions of different filmmaking tools if that makes sense. So for instance, I might say that bathos humor in certain Marvel movies undercuts it um you know like undercuts the the story and the and the plot to the point that it ruins the movie for me. But this is a good example of there's a lot of bathos humor that I think is pretty legitimately funny, you know, and and that is like not it doesn't take me out of the of the fourth wall, right? Like they they do this whole bit that I thought was just genuinely really funny, where they have this pen who writes down everything that they say, and they're dictating to the pen, but they're dictating a ridiculous message, and then you watch Helen Mirren <laughs> read this out, trying to comprehend what they were saying. It's like that's that's funny. That's just like a good bit, you know. <laughs> um, I and I feel it went like on uh, for a
0: couple too long, too few. It went on a little bit too long, but yeah, I, I will I will say yeah. I, I think it was... Yeah. And, Go on, sorry.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and so and so, there's some stuff that on this like emotional level that I feel like was was like that for me, where you know it was fine. I, I think the thing that got me, the other thing that got me was Billy's sacrifice at the end. Um, they specifically do this thing where he's in the rubble, right? And Freddie gets like down next to him and is like, "This is the part, like wake up. This is the part where you wake up." Which is in a weird way, it's not Bathos humor. It's like Bathos tragedy. In a way, right. because it is him, you know, pr- sort of projecting his understanding of how these sorts of stories work. Um, and something, and that got me. I was like, oh my God, he's just dead. He doesn't, he doesn't do that cuff cuff. Uh, I always, uh, I always loved you. You know, it's about time. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah, There's just none of that. He is literally just fucking dead. And then they cut to him in a grave. And I was like, no. Oh my God. And I was like, there's no way this is real. Absolutely. He's coming back to life. I'm sure that something is going to happen, you know, I I, 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 and I had like forty different thoughts about the thing that was going to bring him back to life. Not one of them, by the way, was that Wonder Woman would actually show up. Yeah, obviously. To like, like,
0: like this is a minor exactly plot point, but life. this like Wonder yeah. Woman have like the power of resurrection, right? Like, like I'm willing to like let that go. Like, this is like a very nitpicky point, but it's kind of like happens, and it's like, wait, what? Like, like. Did he, like it seems like he actually fucking died there, right? Like okay,
1: so to explain it, because this was my interpretation, is that the the staff has the power to turn you has the power to suck your Shazam powers back, but or also grant them to you, right? And with no with no gods, uh, you can't use the staff to do to, to turn him into Shazam, right? Which would bring him back to life theoretically. Um, but then Wonder Woman is a god, and she does do that, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was my, that was my like cursory read. I frankly don't think this matters, and I also think that it's sort of dumb. Uh, like this is one of the things where the movie definitely lost me. Is this all this stuff between like gods and mortals or whatever? I actually like I like that as a plot point. I think the idea of mortals who have slain their gods or are in this kind of conflict with their gods, all that stuff is super fun, right? You know, like half of my D and D campaigns uh, are built around a comp a concept not not all that dissimilar to this um, but you know for this one I don't know it was just kind of whatever which I think is is a good segue into the villains who basically sucked um, I like that they had personalities yeah. which was nice um, you know one of the things that I think is attractive about uh, the Pantheon of gods that are in like Greek or North North mythology is that they have all of these kind of you know like they have these big personalities that are that are kind of like in conflict with one another. Um, and it was nice that Hespera and Calypso and um, and Anthea were all working on the same side, but for reasons that were like unique, and they had different approaches to these things, which ultimately broke down their kind of alliance and got you know. Yeah, they're, like, foiled their sort of, like, villain plot or whatever. Um, though I will say that they are super lame and forgettable, and I just wish that they did something cool uh, with them. Like, I, Shazam has a lot of fun villains, um, and it sucks that we didn't get any of those.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I thought the, I thought, like, the idea that, like, actually, maybe Hespera has a point, right, like, and, you know, and, like... On her own, the power isn't like the the plan isn't actually that. It's not even like that evil, other than you know, like she turned a bunch of people to stone, right? Like that's that's obviously very bad, but like her her ultimate plan is not to destroy Earth. Her ultimate plan is to restore her realm, and like that's maybe understandable at some level. Um, uh, and then Calypso undercutting all that that makes sense to me. That that reads pretty well to me. Um, there were a couple like. I'm, the, the things I will say about them is I thought Anne's powers were pretty cool. Didn't get to use them oh, much. Oh yeah. And then like mm-hmm. this is like this is like the Prometheus complaint, right? Like you know, Eclipsio shoots a beam at Anne, and she zooms away, and then she like doesn't step a foot to her left and gets hit by the beam anyway, right? Like um, that's like that was like that was like troublesome to me. The other thing that like was like a a bit. Hmm. This is maybe a little bit delicate, but. There is a scene where they talk about how Anne is actually 6,000 years old. And within like <laughs> 10 seconds, she kisses the guy that's under 18. Right? Like,
1: <laughs> like are we doing this discourse? Are you going to tell me that it's not a pedophilia? It's a fibophilia or whatever? <laughs> I mean, like, that, like that um, aside, right? Like, that's
0: just, <coughs> it's like, it's. The reason, the reason this, like, sticks in my craw a little bit is, like, we've just gone through another round of, like, Leonardo DiCaprio dating 20-year-olds. It's not a great, you know, it's not, great, not a great look, right? Like, yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, I get it. It's fiction, but it's also kind of, like, it wouldn't have bothered me so much if it wasn't directly adjacent to the, to the reveal, right? Like, it was literally, like, 10 seconds later, right? Um, and that, 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 that did bother me a little bit just because it was, like, you know she is 6000 years old right
1: like you know oh wait uh, does it bother you that she is 6000 years old it, it or that they brought it up it bothers me
0: that her like they it bothers me that they make a point of it and then they have them kiss anyway right like and they do it in
1: close temporal proximity right like okay yeah right cuz like yeah i yeah i i i definitely feel that um i maybe used to entertain these sorts of thoughts a little bit too much, but frankly, I don't give a fuck, right? Like, and this reminds me of, like, Twilight. When people used to go after Twilight because Edward is 100 years old, even though he's, like, the body of a, of sure. a 17-year-old. Yeah, yeah. So he just, like, goes to a million different high schools or whatever because he never ages because he's a fucking vampire. And, like, this was a really common way to attack the Twilight series was to sort of, like, be like, oh, Edward is a... <clears throat> you know, I don't know, it, like uh, a fucking a pedophile, <laughs> a groomer, whatever. And I just think it's—I don't know—I have like very little patience for this line of reasoning. It's—it's very—it's very like um, imposing a certain set of moralistic beliefs on a like story that don't deserve to be there. Really, is I guess what I would sure. like how i how i would go after that right it's like if the story says that it's fucking fine that he has that then it's then it's fine like get get over yourselves right like it's it's you know actually okay i'm sorry you know what it reminds me of hold on the bet the best version of this is the fandom wars in the last airbender i promise this makes sense okay so two huge ships in that show you have uh, I don't know what they're. Is it Katang, Aang and Katara, right? The 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 core couple, right? Um, Aang, the Avatar protagonist character, Katara, you know they they have the most. Will they want they or whatever? But the the biggest like v- versus ship is. Zutara, which is Zuko and Katara, okay? Which, by the way, this is the better ship. Alright, I'll just play my fucking flag here, right? And there's this weird thing that people do when they are attacking that Zutara ship, where they go, Zuko is from the Fire Nation, and the Fire Nation is are fascist colonizers, right? So the Zutara ship is endorsing fascist imperialism and it's just like wh- what the i just want to see him kiss okay you know what i mean it's like we don't have to do any of this stuff and i feel like that's exactly where i want to be when it comes to i don't fucking care she's played by an 18 year old he's played by an 18 year old she's like I, who so, cares i like i could not give a f- less of a fuck about this it was just why i wish the movie just like didn't even bring it up at all right so
0: you know, if they left it implied or like if she mentioned that she was 6,000 years old and then at the end of the movie they kissed, it wouldn't have been a thing to me. It's the fact yeah. that she mentions it within, like like I said, within like 10, you know, less, I'm pretty sure it's less than a minute they kiss is the thing that feels weird to me, right? Like just don't place them that close together, right? Because like, I don't know, that, that kind of like, and then like they, they also like joke about it too the end, it's like, what is it with our boys and older women, right? Like, <laughs> um, It just it just feels like... So, you know, th- there's like a sliding scale, right? Like, there's the one end, which is like what you're talking about. I think, I'm totally with you on that with like the Zutaro thing. And then there's like the other end where like, you might like... I don't know. It, it's weird because like no one would do this because it would be like... Like, you could theoretically portray like a a romance between like like an actual abuse like you know manipulative pedophilic relationship and portray it in a good light and that would be like that would send everybody off the deep end right like you know like you know like like no one would, would like you know you do
1: a um you know you you, you do you do something like that yeah okay I sorry so I know what you mean if we were to cast a movie where Tom Cruise is Dating Zendaya, right? We would probably say, "All right, th- like this has gone too fucking far." Okay, right. right. He is forty years older than she is, right? This is like not is not okay. Yeah, and the movie the movie right?
0: also doesn't present it as controversial. It's like, oh yeah, that's totally fine, right? Like and like
1: yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like it is like in Top Gun three, there is a side plot where you know he is he is like fucking some eighteen year old. It's like. Obvious, yeah. We would we would all agree that that's bullshit and wrong. Yeah, I definitely agree with yeah. you. Yeah,
0: and so like, and like you know, in this like weird middle ground, right? Like, like you said, normally it's not a problem. It's it's the fact that they drew attention to it so close to its execution is what bothered me. Um, and again, this is not like a this is this is not why I hate the movie, right? Like, or this is not why I dislike the movie. Um, because I also don't want to say I hate the movie because it's not like that strong. I just like I don't know, um, kind of is, like I probably should have said this before the spoiler mark, but I I don't feel like. I feel like I wasted my time. Um, Maybe not my money, right? But, like, it was just kind of like, I will never think about this movie again. Um, Yeah.
1: But, yeah. um, Yeah, especially because it's, like, destined to be thrown in the ground, right? We're burying this movie under heaps and heaps of dirt. And we're never resurrecting it again because it made no money. I don't know if they do. If they do execute on a Justice Society uh, concept, uh, the you know you could convince me. I like the Justice Society and I like the interactions around the Justice Society that we got from Black Adam. Uh, both these movies didn't really perform all that well, but you know who knows with James Gunn gun up top. This, <laughs> I guess, I will say, the original post-credit scene seems to be. <clears throat> uh seems to be a late addition after James Gunn and Peter Safran took over um DC studios right um which is a good sign because boy howdy are DC the champions of post credit scene that go fucking nowhere okay <laughs> right um but you know i don't know the idea that maybe uh some of this stuff comes comes out the other end and we have a and we have a good uh, a real Justice Society movie, I would be pretty happy about that.
0: Yep, I could see that. Um, I thought that, mo- that that scene was like pretty fucking cringy. Like, if that's like the level of humor that we're gonna get out of all of the James Gunn projects, I uh, I want to talk. Okay, with yeah.
1: That. So we haven't watched Peacemaker. My understanding is those are two characters from well, yeah, the Peacemaker TV show. They're, right? they're two
0: characters from the the Suicide Squad movie. Like they were. The, oh, are they? They were. They oh were the my god, that- you're right.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, and, yes. And, and, then, you know, yeah.
0: And, and, like, I think that that kind of stuff kind of, wor- like, it's, like, two different types of humor that are, like, clashing up against each other and not really working with each other is maybe, like, what I'm seeing here, right? Also, I see that, like, Shazam was being way too, like, dumb in, in this in, in this scene. Um,
1: yeah. I like how, ha- actually, I liked him... Quite a lot. I think he threads a really tough needle, to be honest with you, Zachary Levi specifically, um, of playing this like, I don't know, like ADD teenager in a in a in an adult's body. Um, that was something I was like really surprised at how. I feel like that would normally suck under most circumstances. I think this would be really bad. But you need a really good, talented actor to sort of like make make it work for Force or not Force Gum. Uh, Big would be a good example of this, right? Like Tom Hanks, right? We would all agree Tom Hanks is a great actor, right? Really sells the the kid in an adult body that came in in Big. And Zachary Levi is doing a very similar sort of thing here. So you
0: know that's yeah. I honestly, my take is I, I want like a solo Freddie Freeman movie because I, I like Freddie Freeman better than Billy Batson. Like oh interesting. Like, 10, like um, I was like a thing I was thinking while watching the first movie is like, how is this guy, not the guy that gets the powers, right? Like the guy, you know, like Mm -hmm. the, the guy that's walking around with a crutch, right? Like this is like a cosmic injustice, right? (laughs) Like, um, and I, I think he, I think he's like, a, I think he has like a better character arc in this movie. Not that he has like a ton of one, but like, I, you know, I think, I think he's a more compelling character than, than, than Billy Batson, especially like in this movie, Billy Batson doesn't have a lot going against him, other than like his kind of own insecurities, which is a fine thing to tackle, but it's not like, you know, it's not like he has like any external problems. Freddie Freeman's the only one that does, right? Like, he's bullied at school, and and you know he's 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 got issues. He's got the issue of like you know living with a disability, and you know, and he's got he's got this arc with this this girl who like likes him for who he for who he is, despite the fact that he's you know uh, that he's disabled. And I think that's all that's all great. And I think. Um, Billy's stuff just, like, doesn't really, like, resonate. It's, it's also kind of told to us, right? Like, there's a scene in the psychologist's office or the pediatrician's office where he's like, my mom abandoned me and, you know, uh, like, and my dad abandoned me and I'm a, uh, and the system has failed me and, you know, everything's terrible. And that's, like, kind of all we get, uh, like, of his actual kind of turmoil, right? Everything that's shown to us is just kind of, like, goofy and not really, like,
1: yeah, but that's like a recap of the first movie, right? right, right, right. Like the first movie is very much about his abandonment issues, includes all that subplot sure. of like him finding his mom and getting rejected. Sure, no, absolutely, and, but like
0: it's also like like that's supposed to be his motivation for why he's like not doing so well. I, I feel like it doesn't like it, none of that like feels real to me in this movie, right? It just feels kind of like like it feels more told than shown. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him like not dealing with things because like because the other part of this is like you know they're called the philadelphia fiascos but like it's it's made pretty apparent to us that this is like philadelphia being a shitty city right which i'm all for right it's like philadelphia blaming them for like not being perfect despite like oh i yeah i mean i hate all of this
1: this this is like civil war right where it's like somehow you are morally culpable for the people you failed to save right? This, or, like, the, the the Man of Steel thing, right? People, it's like, Superman should have saved those people. It's like, no, 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 no. The stakes of this movie is that it is hard, he is trying his best, but, like, there's only so much he can do when facing off against this fucking super soldier, essentially, right? Um, and so, yep, I agree with you 100%, and that bugged the fuck out of me. Any, I, I don't think there's any way any story could ever do this that would not make me furious at this point, because it's just like, it is so ethically dumb. It's so dumb. It's just so dumb, right, that it, bo- it bothers me to no end. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, and like, I, th- I think there's a way
0: to do it but like you have to have like an actual failing there, right? Like you know, like, um, uh, like um, like like if they had like if they had <clears> focused on repairing the bridge and not failed and people died as a result, right? That's too dark for this movie, or maybe not, since they walked a teacher off the top of a school. But like you know, that that type of thing, like or like it's like an error in judgment, right? Like yeah, like that sort of thing could like. But this is this is literally like. They did the the best they could, and it wasn't enough. Um, Rebrand to some Dirt Scene (laughs) That's going to be our April Fool's episode, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um.
1: Yeah, no, I I feel... And, like, I think other movies have done this in, you know... Like, for instance, this is something I wish Aquaman did, because the comics do it, and it is great, but we talked about this when we were reviewing Aquaman, how the whole thing about him and Black Manta's dad is kind of like drawn out in this way that it becomes very awkward right where in the comics he literally murders black Manta's dad because you think black manta killed his own dad and he was furious about it right and also he's not really like a superhero he's just like a guy at that point this is before he's like truly aquaman or whatever but it's just like man have him whip that spear thing after he gets grenaded because he's aquaman and he's being an arrogant idiot and then Kill him with that thing, and you would get it. Would work so much better for all of this other sort of stuff. I, I definitely feel you can do this thing of heroes who make mistakes and are morally culpable for them, right? But I will just never in a million years be sold on this. You know, something bad happened, and you showed up to save everyone, but you only saved ninety nine percent of people. It's like, I mean, and you sh- fucking shoot me. You <laughs> can also do that for motivation for villains, because like Aquaman. Doesn't feel, or
0: Aquaman, I don't know, it's been too long since i the movie, but Aquaman. Well,
1: so, okay, so he, that, that is his arc. At first he doesn't feel responsible, but then later on he has a conversation with Mira where he's like, I, because this is his arc. This You're is, right. he needs to learn to take responsibility, this is why For I sure. like Aquaman. Uh, and it's like, I, I didn't think that I needed to do that, but now it made this person hate me, and he's attacking people I love because of it, right? That's on me. That's my responsibility, and I fucked up. It's like, okay, you that that completes a, that completes like a like a real arc, uh, but it doesn't. I don't know. I I it, it's just it's just a fucking joke here, and I just hate it so much because the premise of the joke is so fucking stupid.
0: Right, right. No, and like, but like that's also supposed to be part of this motivation for like for like Shazam feeling like he's fucked up, right? Like that he's not like doing his job right, and that he's a failure because like, you know, he I think. I think we're supposed to feel like he feels like he's a failure because of it. Even, but, like, it's, I don't know, it, it, it feels, you know, and maybe I can get on the on the inside of, like, you know, even if it isn't his fault, he's still going to feel that way. But because it's such, like, a bad trope that gets trotted out again and again, um, it, do, it doesn't resonate with me. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Were, okay, well, yeah. that's all I had to say about Shazam. Do you have anything else you want to talk about?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Like, give me give me one second, because I think there might be another <laughs> little thing in there.
1: <sighs> okay, one cool thing I want to mention while while I'm vamping. The dragon whose breath weapon is like pure fear is sweet. It wasn't really used to its fullest potential, in my opinion. Uh, but I was just like. This wood dragon d- with fear breath or whatever, I'm, I'm on board for that. I thought that was cool.
0: That That is a cool idea. That's like a steal it for a D&D campaign idea. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, I, I don't think I got anything, anything else there. I just want to reiterate my hate for that fucking Skittles commercial. Skittles
1: and moment. There was another. There were a couple of other moments that I was just like, boy, that is some. Product placement. Um, well, there was like the like the I think it was a PlayStation pro- placement.
0: I only kn- knew it was PlayStation because in the end credits they put like the triangle, square, circle, cross in like on like the the you know the, the dude's body. Um, uh, um, I will say that this movie did sell me on the fact that these are the same characters because like. There was a moment where I was like, why are they going through all the acts? again? it's like, oh, because there were two sets of actors for the same characters. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I actually, that, that's something else I think that the that the movie does really well is like that, that blend between the two actors. You always feel like the, you know, the, the other version is still the same brain, just in this adult body or whatever, right? Yeah, no, I
0: mean, I, I want to give props to Zachary Levi because, like you said, he's, like, the one well, that's all focused on. And then I don't know yeah. what the actress' name is, but the actress that plays the um, the little girl's grown-up form, like, does a great job of, like, being a little girl in, a, in an adult's body. Yep. Um, but, yeah, no. leave it there. Um,
1: okay, well, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, there you go. Rest in peace, pepperonis, I guess. We'll see you again in Justice League. Probably not. Justice Society. Whatever, it's fine. Rest in piss. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, rest in peace. Rest in Tell me about what what's been going on in your week. How's 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 it all how's it all going? So the the big thing that I did this week is I spent a fair amount of time over the weekend
0: playing the Diablo Four closed beta. Um, did you get to put any fingers on it at all? Did you pre-order the game?
1: I did not pre-order the game, and I did not plan to play any Diablo Four because I wanted to. <sighs> I'm back on my bullshit, Mango. I'm playing StarCraft. Uh, so I wanted to, I was just like, you know what? I want to play StarCraft. And I played yeah. a ton of StarCraft this week. Um, but yeah, I was looking at the Diablo 4 beta because I thought it was next week, right? Because um, when we were all talking about it, we were talking about, I think it's when the open beta is, right?
0: The closed beta is it was this weekend. Um, you can get it either by pre-ordering the game or by buying a double down from KFC. Um <laughs> Um, and the classes available this, this weekend were um, Barbarian uh, Rogue Sorcerer um, so I, I played the Sorcerer and Rogue to level 5 just went through the opening part of it um, and I played the Barbarian to about like level 22 or 23 I think I didn't quite hit the cap um, that's because I had other things that I was doing with my time um, but it's pretty solid Um, I will check it out again next weekend. If one, I can finish out my barbarian and two, if the, the the two, the two, the classes that were locked out were necromancer and druid. And I would like to put hands on druid just because, um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to play either druid or barbarian when the game goes live. Um, but it was, it was fun. Very Diablo. Um, I think it's, uh, already a vast kind of like improvement, at least from launch date from Diablo three. Um, uh, you get a lot more kind of drops relatively early because you don't have the real money auction house thing happening, um, uh, which was like crazy. That like to think of that, that 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 was like a thing that that
1: they thought would work. Oh, uh, so to be clear, that's actually not that's actually not true. Right. Uh, one of the designers of Diablo three went on to talk about this, and it's funny because the moment I read this Twitter thread, I was like, this makes so much fucking sense. But, but what it was was um the drop weights were low because they expected people to farm ah. right um like in Diablo 2 where you would farm you would farm bosses for for like good good drops they expected people to just sit and kill those bosses kind of like over and over and over again in order to in order to get the the drop rate so they were kind of optimizing for the way that like veteran Diablo 2 players had optimized the game um and in I can't remember who it was it might be like Wyatt Wyatt Chong, I think is is his name, who's like a gameplay lead on Diablo 3 and would go on to be. Yeah, he's the cell phone. He went on to be the game director, I'm pretty sure, for Diablo Immortal. Um, But the thing that he explains in the thread, which I didn't think about this ever at all. Right. But it makes so much sense is he was like the real money auction house team was a completely different team. They were working on this and we didn't have access to that. So when we were setting drop rates for these items, we were pulling data and we were thinking about how players play Diablo 2 because the Real Money Auction House was just – just it was another department essentially right. okay, who was working in a way that we were not thinking about. And I was like – the moment I read that, I was like – Oh, my God, you're kind of right. That actually makes a lot of sense. Right? No,
0: it, 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 it does make sense. But it's also, like, in an alternate universe where, like, you know, Bobby Kotick comes down to, like, you know, the office and says you have to, like, decrease the drop rates. To, like, that's not a thing that's, like, unbelievable either. Right. But, like, yes, I, I would totally believe yeah. that, like, the reason that the drop rates were so abysmal initially was because they were expe- expecting Diablo to use them. Anyway, point being is the drop rate's much higher in at least the beta. I don't know if it'll be reflected in the final product. But some things that, like, that are very different is um, uh, skills level up. Like, you know, each skill has, like, five levels to it, right? And mm-hmm. you, you have points to assign. But, like, uh, with, like, a little bit more frequency than I was expecting, items drop with plus one to skills. Um uh fairly frequently right like and i like you know level 25 is half the cap right like i like had like plus one to all sh- um uh like like this your skills are roughly grouped by like what slot they should go in even though you're not restricted to that um right uh it's like plus one to all brawling skills or whatever and i got a point in each brawling skill and i could assign a skill that i had not put any points in which was pretty neat um uh yeah so like it they're like i'm I am excited because there's, like, 10,000 different types of itemization. There are, like, you know, wow-style elixirs that you craft out of, like, ingredients that you pull up off the ground. So I feel feel like they're optimizing for kind of, like, that long tail-end grind, which I hope is fun. Because, like, historically, my issue with Diablo 3, it's, like, post, you know, removal of the real money auction house state was... Um... Uh... What was it? Uh, it was kind of like, once I kind of like hit, like, like the power curve in Diablo kind of like goes, like it's like logarithmic almost, right? Like you get like a bunch of steep gains, like with the seasons, it was like, you fulfill the season thing, you get your season set. And at that point for me, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know anymore. Right. Like, um, like, I don't know if like I care enough to keep grinding for like marginal increases in power. Um, and I would do that for a little while, and then fall off of it. Um, but it seems like there's enough kind of like levers to pull here that there'd be like gains that aren't necessarily, necessarily super significant, but enough that like you know you can be like you can kind of like chase a high of like oh like I want to get like plus bonuses to this skill set, and hopefully that'll be enough to keep me in for a while because it looks fun, it was fun when I played of it. Um, you can kind of like the first time you run dungeons, you get like uh, essentially like a legendary affix that you can graft onto items. Um, uh, and you can also pull it out of, uh, like, um, for instance, I got one of the first or one of the, yeah, I think it was actually the first legendary drop I got was a mace, um, that, um, had this effect that while you're berserking, you have fire going around you. Berserking is a specific thing you can do as a barbarian, certain skills enable it. I changed my build to, to kind of like start berserking because I hadn't been doing it before that. And I thought that that's a good motivational gameplay, um, Eventually, I outgrew that um, that mace, um, but I really liked the effect, so I pulled the effect off of the mace. I was able to put it on another mace, um, and it was you know it. And but that that particular affix wasn't in the wasn't even like available in the codex of powers that I could affix. That I could like, or rather, so there's this thing called the codex of power, which holds a number of affixes. Um, some are class specific, some are not. Um, that can be grafted onto uh items, various items, legendary affixes essentially. But not all of the affixes you can find can be put in the codex of power. Some of them have to be like pulled off as these individual items and reattached. Um, and I thought that was a neat system, right? It lets you kind of like level some st- level some stuff off with you if like it's like a core to your build decision. Um, but yeah, uh. I had a a great time with it. I didn't get to play any co-op really other than kind of like open world people are around type co-op. In some ways, it does kind of remind me of like it it seems like like with each game, um, the crossover between WoW and Diablo seems to get a little bit more. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, I feel that for sure.
0: um, Which is in some ways good for me because I like the animization in Diablo better because Diablo can be more free with its loot because it's like. Not as concerned with kind of like seasonal balance, right? Like it yeah. The game kind of I think wants you to break it. Um which is fun. Um so I had a good time with it. I would recommend everybody check out the open beta next weekend. Lou in the chat says that the KFC thing was a lie. I don't you know, I I there must have been a way to get it that was I don't know. I I'm um Friend of the out ate a double down today and I told and it was after the beta and he said it was alright. So uh you know, uh Louis says that the, KFC, that the Double Down was bad. Have you ever had a Double Down, buddy? Nope. Neither have I. I do not
1: like KFC, traditionally. so Yeah, I, I don't, right don't
0: really eat much fast food. Um,
1: That's also true. But, like, when it comes to fast food, I do have, like, I prefer Jack in the Box and Wendy's to, like, McDonald's and Burger King or whatever else. You know, like, that kind of a thing. And uh, KFC is pretty far down the list. It's, it's tough to get me to want to go to KFC over, like, Taco Bell or... Wendys or kind of any any of those other ones.
0: Yeah. So, as a Jersey person, do you have feelings about White Castle?
1: I love White Castle uh in a nostalgic way. I haven't I haven't had White Castle in a long time obviously cuz Have you there are no White we Castles had White Castle Gen on. Con? No, yeah, I haven't had it since we had it at Gen Con, which would have been like 2013, 2014, <laughs> like that era of, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you know, the famous thing that that you do with White Castle is you get a crave case and, uh, and you eat the whole crave case. I've done that a couple of times when I was like a kid. Um, you know, I'm sure there's still cholesterol in my veins from that yeah. shit. Like <laughs> I,
0: I did that on my first spring break in college. I did that as like on like a, like somebody bet me that, you know, that they would pay for it if I finished it. So I did grab the 20 bucks from him because I think that was the price at the time and ran to the bathroom and vomited. Um, and then I felt <laughs> terrible for like a full day afterwards. Yeah, yeah, fair enough.
1: Um, but yeah. Uh, so how was your week? How was StarCraft? How was my week? Yeah, so I've been playing StarCraft. So I've been playing StarCraft 1, uh, though I have downloaded StarCraft 2. My new thing, I was like... I have StarCraft Remastered. I remember buying StarCraft Remastered because it's such a huge game in my life, right? Like one of the most foundational games I think I've ever, I've ever played, right? I used to get in so much trouble because I would, I would just play StarCraft for hours and hours and hours. I was so addicted to playing, uh, to playing StarCraft. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not doing anything competitive with the multiplayer or anything like that. I'm just literally replaying the campaign mission by mission by mission. Um. And uh, StarCraft Remastered is amazing, actually. It's a really, really good remaster and, like, update to the game for, like, modern sort of uh, uh, sort of situations. It's funny because, like, I haven't touched the game probably in 15 years, maybe longer, right? It's just been so long since I even, you know, got close to, to StarCraft 1. Um, and uh, so I have these, like, echoes of what the graphics are like. Right. Um, And it's crazy how I know cognitively the remaster is a remaster and they have changed the sprites, you know, or whatever. Um, But how crazy it is that those changed sprites still like occupy the space in my brain. Right. For instance, there's a thing that happens uh, for protoss pylons or any protoss building. When you deal damage to a protoss building directly to its health, it starts like phasing out, like warping out. Um, and there's this effect where it's just streaming this, like, light blue energy or whatever. Um, and I just, like, I noticed that the animation plays faster now, right? That, like, the animation is probably playing in 60 frames a second, whereas the old one used to play in 30 frames per second or whatever. Um, because it's, like, it's just different enough that I can, like, notice, but it's just, like, such a perfect representation of um uh of of you know what the what this stuff is. Um it's funny because the some of the moments in the story uh play out really well in in ways that I had kind of forgotten about. Um New Gettysburg is the mission, kind of the the, the pivotal mission of all StarCraft, where Sarah Kerrigan gets left behind by Arcturus Mengsk um and and Jim Raynor is up in space and he's yelling at her because he's abandoning her to be overwhelmed by the zerg right they place a Psy-Emitter on the planet and then they're evac and then they say they're going to evac people but they don't they just leave them to die and get overrun by the zerg and then Kerrigan gets abducted and put in this chrysalis that then becomes part of the zerg campaign you're like help you're like making sure the chrysalis works um and then Kerrigan kind of like comes back to life uh, but it's just like there's a lot of like little details in that which work in a way that i had kind of forgotten about um and i'm pretty sure they have re-recorded some of the voice lines right um kerrigan is not played by trisha helfer who is the woman who plays kerrigan in starcraft 2 um who i actually like quite a lot i think that she's a very good uh she just has a very good kerrigan performance in that um but, like, I'm pretty sure they re-recorded the StarCraft II Jim Rayner for the remastered Jim Rayner and the StarCraft II Mengsk for remastered Menksk. Um But um, her voice is maybe still the original voice i kind of can't quite tell uh but it's just i don't know it's really something i've never done this before with like playing a remaster of a game i think a lot of people have in like other situations right um kind of going back and playing games that they played as a kid uh and and seeing what what it was like but like this is the one that's like really you know there for me um i have just destroyed the protoss temple on ire oh so the other thing i will mention I was really bad at this game when I was younger. I don't know how I could have been this bad. But, like, I have been absolutely stomping these maps. And I remember getting fucking owned by them. I remember thinking, I was like, I don't know how I can do this without cheats. I was like, I can't I can't beat this without cheats. There are certain levels of the game that I didn't beat, even with, like, even with sheets, I just couldn't. I couldn't beat them, right? Because I never allowed myself to use like power overwhelming, right? You just you do certain like I was like I was like I'm willing to do black sheep wall, which is permanent visibility. You can see the whole map, um, but I wasn't willing to do power overwhelming, which is god mode, right? And. Uh, and it's funny to me how I guess just like good strategy game fundamentals, I don't really know how else to put it. Like good strategy game fundamentals just wins, right? You turtle up, you you farm a million resources and then I build a gazillion fucking zerglings and I send them all in at once. And that like I like, maybe maybe it's that I just like didn't have a good sense for building like making guys when my economy was running, right? Like, you know, um Something that something that I guess is like a StarCraft II thing that I picked up is this thing of I send my guys to go attack and then I go back to my base and I set all of my buildings to set to make a new army, right? And then if my attack fucks up, that's fine. I have a new army ready and waiting to go. If my attack goes poorly, I or if my attack goes well, I just send my second wave in and they blow everything out of the water, right? Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's just like the total war gamer in me has has like I don't know. All about where you grow up, man. Yeah, probably. I guess. I don't know. Uh, that's what Lou says in the chat. Oh, actually, just, Lou's probably talking about uh, fast food. White Castle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But sure.
0: Yeah. No. I. That's. Uh, that's interesting. Um, that you like, because like I definitely remember having those problems. Like as like a, as, like a middle schooler, like having those problems. Mm-hmm. And that like, I didn't really think about like unit composition right it was like i'm going to build a bunch of carriers and that is going to win because they are the most expensive unit and then (laughs) right it's like oh why would i make why would i make any templars i can just make archons um yeah uh, and so you know that was that just kind of like i i was never great at like those like those kind of like uh you know you know What's the word? Actions permit APM APM type RTS. APM yeah. RTS is right. Like famously, um I uh, uh friend of the cast, monic uh used my account to try and uh race switch at some point um in StarCraft two, and he got my account to platinum. Um and uh I won one game by cannon rushing and I was like, I'm going out on top. I can say I won a game in platinum. Um and uh never really went back, because I also just, like, didn't have the, um, like, the way you have to play those games just, like, is not, um, not fun for me, right, like, you, like, I want to watch the armies fight, right, like, that's the fun part, right, and, like you said, you, you go back to your, um, buildings, and you build, build stuff, and, like, you know, in single player, you can pause and all that, but I just, like, never found any of that super compelling, so, um. I went, you know. Yeah,
1: the other thing that I have been looking up is: Have you ever heard of the game Foxhole? No. Okay, this Foxhole might be a trip. I watched this YouTube video. Okay, there's this game. It's called Foxhole. It was in early access for a long time. Foxhole is a is is an MMO where you are playing on one server, um, but like. It is a literal war, kind of like a World War Two yeah. era war, right? Uh, but, like, instead of having, like, classes in a way, uh, like, you know, it's not like you have Sniper or you have, um, you know, uh, I don't know, what, what like, Medic or whatever. I guess they do have Medics or whatever. They have, like, logistics, right? So, like, the idea is the two factions that are, like, warring back and forth in Foxhole, like even in territories that are fully owned by your side in the war, are res- are just, like, creating resources. And you have players whose whole gameplay is about building the factories to create the ammunition, to put in the trucks that other factories are building, to take those trucks to the front line where other players are, like, firing them, basically. Um, you know, you have trains, you have trucks, you have mining operations you know you have um you have tanks all these different kinds of tanks or whatever and i'm just like i have never wanted to play a game more than foxhole but i also haven't done it because i prefer like i i don't know it, it came out in september of last year out like out of early access into 1.0 in september of last year and the, and the famous thing that happened is that they had so many players on launch that they had to break apart into three realms right but what ended up happening was um the two factions just started winning on one realm each and they just put all their time and effort into that realm where they just essentially were stomping um kind of like how in world pvp and classic wow you um you went to servers uh, where
0: where your side was favored
1: yeah exactly you went to servers where your side was favor and you just don't even you know you don't even worry about it p- kind of like past that right um and uh i don't really know how it got to foxhole from starcraft 2 but i don't know i wanted to ask if you'd seen it because i hadn't until i saw this youtube video and now i want to play it so fucking bad <laughs> well it's on sale right
0: now uh and uh i've just bought it so maybe i will uh Oh, my
1: God. Yeah, because something something that someone was talking about was regiments, right? Which is sort of like guilds in World of Warcraft. Um, but you have these regiments, which is like a couple hundred people or whatever. Um, and they... I, f- I feel like this must be like what EVE Online is like, in a way. Um, uh, but, like, instead of EVE being this super persistent world... Um, Foxhole resets once one faction wins the war the, the a new war is announced for you know like the server by the way, they did eventually break down uh the 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 numbers came down so much that they consolidated everything into one server um so you know apparently they have been it it has been going back and forth between the wardens and the colonials um anyway that's that's my that's my foxhole journey. I really want to play this game now interesting um yeah let's uh.
0: Maybe I will install that later. No, it's it's uh, it looks it looks interesting. Um,
1: I feel like this is a big fantasy that players have had for MMOs for the longest time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of getting it to work, right? Because, like, um, the game I was following for a while, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's, like, the MMO that was made in Unity by a bunch of guys that were formerly on Dark Age of Camelot. Um, Crowfall? Crowfall. Crowfall. Um, that came out, I think it got like unreleased again. Um, or kind of like put on in, in maintenance mode. Um uh uh just because uh do do, do. uh yeah. Uh do, do yeah. Crowfall has gone dark. Uh you do, do and they're they're planning on going back back up with it at some point, but they haven't updated their development channel. I played it for like a little bit while it was out. Um but that was kind of like the vision behind it too, right? Like Realms that like lasted for like anywhere between three and nine months, and you would fight and then the 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 realms would go through changes as they were like rising and falling and then you'd have like things you could take out of the realms, but like the idea was that you'd play through like that things like you know you'd play a campaign to its conclusion and you could jump back in and it would be uh fun and like they it was very ambitious but it, I guess it just didn't work out um you know yeah
1: i'm I am also reading. Uh, about how people, profile went dark in November of last year, and uh, they're taking some time to figure shit out. I yeah,
0: guess. people were very mad about it in the community, um, uh, because you know it was it was one of those games like one of those things that got like an impossible amount of money, um, but you know you can't like not quite as much as like say Star Citizen, but you just can't you know run a, necessarily run a game off of all that. So
1: you know, yeah. Yeah. A foxhole might be the, the actual dream then in the, in this scenario. Um, because I think honestly, the idea of playing a logistics, um, like the difference between frontline soldiers and logistics soldiers and like reconnaissance soldiers, um, the idea of playing a logistics soldier whose whole thing is just like creating really efficient factories in your, in your safe territory, your back line. Right. Um, and, and shipping that to your frontline. like, that actually sounds really appealing for me. But it's just, like, I think the question is, how do you make that gameplay compelling? How do you make that fun, right? Um, for instance, there was an MMO that I can't remember what it was called. Um, it was, like, Va- uh, Valiant MMO, maybe? Um <sighs> Yeah, okay, so there was an MMO that came out called Valiant, um, and the idea was that the crafting systems were going to be as intense as the um, as the combat systems, right? And for instance, instead of having a raid where you go and kill a boss, you might have a raid where you go and build a ship, right? Crafters would go and build a ship, they would have a crafting rotation, they would have crafting talents, you could level it up, which I sort of think, in a, in a certain sense... Um, uh final fantasy did this right um because they have those jobs that you level the crafting jobs or whatever um but yeah so the idea was that like crafting was just as intense of a of a sort of like game mode as anything else um but it didn't go anywhere uh because it's just less fun to be doing your rotation by like building nails than it is to do your rotation by killing monsters right um and i feel like that's the thing that that has always sort of struggled, right? But in a world where you marry the kind of, um, when I think of this, I think of this as, like, systems architecture, right. right? Like, the systems architecture fun of making an optimized Factorio factory or Stardew Valley farm, right? You incorporate that in in the back end, and then the front end, you just have raw MMO, mechan- like, like fighting you know, you and a bunch of guys are going to go invade this town. It's full of bunkers, and you have to, you have to like blow up the enemy or whatever else, right? Like, I feel like, I don't know. That's, that's, yeah. Oh, New World also sort of went for this in a way.
0: Uh, New World uh, basically abandoned all of kind of like that aspect of it in favor of being just like a kind of like normal MMO. Uh, yeah. Which is kind of disappointing, but also like, it makes sense. They still I are apparently producing content for New World. Cause I get, they get, they do updates. I was, while you were talking about that, I was looking at, um, the Crowfall server. Uh, apparently Crowfall got acquired by monumental and, uh, the, uh, the guy, like one of the, the lead designer on Crowfall got laid off like back in January, apparently. So, um, yeah, crazy stuff. I guess that, that game's dead.
1: Wow. Yeah. That is kind of nuts. Yeah, what, is, what has been going on with uh, with uh, New World?
0: I mean, I, I don't really watch the videos, but I'm still subscribed to their YouTube channel. Um, and so I see updates go by. It's like, ah, oh, new stuff in the Update 1.8. Holy fuck. My, my guess is that just, like, Amazon still want to throw money at it. Maybe somebody at Amazon just forgot that, like, they exist. And, like, they're like, oh, we keep doing work. You know, we'll yeah, going. I
1: mean, they can put a billion dollars into Lord of the Rings, right? Like, yeah. propping up a gameplay studio just with raw cash, and maybe you end up with, you know, sort of a uh, a No Man's Sky situation.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe. Stranger right? things
1: have happened. And, like, New World was not
0: bad. It just wasn't, like, super compelling, right? Like, um, Like, I could have seen a world where, like, you know if you and i and like monic and other people had like really gotten into it and it kept playing it i might still play that every once in a while right but like you know it's not like it's uh it's like not enough i guess um yeah uh what else have i been doing i've still been playing marvel snap marvel snap has made me want to play marvel Snap combined with watching card market videos has made me want to play magic again uh, hopefully we will have some opportunity to do that this week at uh at PAX. Um played a little bit of uh Guilty Gear Strive. Um just kind of like trying to keep my fingers warm because when uh like there are two games that are coming out in June. They are Diablo Four and Street Fighter Six and between the two of them I may, you know, never leave my house again. Um but you know, um and there's been more zangy footage and I am I'm hype. I'm I'm so hype, so uh, the thing that I can do now is play Potemkin and so I've been playing some Potemkin um, uh, what else haven't um, watched anything compelling this week um, the, only thing, the only thing of any real note that I watched this week I think was uh, uh, was was Shazam um, I brought there was something I was watching on YouTube that I thought was good but I don't know if it's worth
1: uh, <laughs> i've been watching so much youtube but it's just like all this dumb destiny drama that is like i i am such a i never understood reality television people until this moment i am one of those people part and parcel by now like yeah i mean that's why i
0: liked um great british baking show or bake off or mm-hmm. whatever um i was telling you before the podcast that i watched uh Ristic Studios, uh, a couple of months ago, did a uh, a, a video on Tarmogoyf and how its its rise and fall, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I watch a lot of like woodworking videos, even though I don't do woodworking. <laughs> or like tool videos. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been playing Lancer with some friends. Um, yeah. How's that going? It's going well. Um, it's like a super strong combat system. It's super. It's super neat. Um, it's kind of like one of those make-your-own-fun uh, type things. Um, uh, and just kind of, like, you know, it's about creative expression in a lot of ways through the combat, which I've been enjoying. And kind of also, like, you know, um, our social encounters are very mechanical just because the GM, is, that is not his forte, and that is fine. Um, but, like, it makes lets, it lets you make your own fun, right? Like, I went over a character. Like, we had to, like, basically fill a wheel, right, right? Um, you know, you had to like pass enough checks to win the social encounter type thing. And one of my checks yep. was like engaging like this person need to convince in man to man harpoon combat, right? Um so you know, that was super fucking fun. Um Are you playing a, are
1: you playing a version of Ralph? I am. Um Okay. Call uh call sign blood and thunder. Um pilot <laughs> That's such a long call sign. Aren't call signs <laughs> supposed to be two two syllables? I don't it's care. It's four. <laughs> um
0: and the, his his mech is called the first mech was called the A, or was called the Leviathan. His current mech is called the Ahab.
1: Um, so- <laughs> That's amazing. I have to say, did, so did I tell you about my like shipwreck phase? My like, my so okay, I got obsessed with Titanic not not all that long ago. I watched it twice, basically back to back. I, like, watched it, and then I was like, that didn't get it out of my system. I'm watching it again. (laughs) So I spent six hours just, like, watching Titanic. This was a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, And then I ended up watching one of those, uh, like, real-time recreations of the sinking of the Titanic. Because part of what makes Titanic so incredible is that it it sank as slowly as possible, right? It actually would have been fine... I don't know. I don't know if you know Titanic lore, but I will sit here and explain it to you. Please, buddy. Do yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the um, uh, when it hit the iceberg, it ruptured five watertight compartments. Titanic was actually designed such that if it hit four of those watertight compartments, it would have been fine. It was supposed right? to be unsinkable, it, it, right? Like, yeah, it had buoyancy. Point. Yeah, it had the buoyancy to not sink if four of its watertight compartments were ruptured, right? Um, because the watertight compartments go up a certain amount, right? Go up above above sea level, so the water comes up here, right? But the problem is what happened is the Titanic got five, and the weight of the water draws the bow down enough so that the water starts spilling over the watertight bulkheads on the, on the, on the top, and it will eventually flood the entire ship kind of all the way down, right? Um... This led me down this YouTube rabbit hole of, like, all of these specific things about the shipwreck of Titanic, right? Like, about why it it snapped in half, right? Um, Which makes sense in, like, kind of an intuitive physics level. Like, I remember learning this when I was a kid uh, because Titanic was huge and my science teacher was like, oh, well, if you think about it, right, like, you have all of this weight and then it it cracks, right? Um, But the actual specifics of that and... How that worked are really interesting. Uh, the actual specifics of um, the you know like the fact that it took four hours for for the whole ship to sink, giving all of this time, right? This is why this is why is such a good movie because it it lets all of this time for drama to play out, right? Um, and then that took me to like other shipwreck, twit like 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 YouTube videos. Um, so for instance, the uh, the USS Indianapolis. Uh, do you know that story? It's no. the Jaws story. Okay, so the USS Indianapolis, which I think is the worst like maritime disaster of all time. It is the ship that is carrying the nuclear bomb to I believe it was Okinawa, right? One of the one of the the air bases where they are going to load this thing onto the B-29 bomber and fly it over Hiroshima or Nagasaki, drop drop the bomb, right? Um because it was carrying the nuclear weapon, it was Ordered to go radio silent, right? Um, so it goes. It drops off the nuke on its way back. It gets torpedoed by two Japanese subs. Uh, the the torpedo like just strikes one of the fuel things. There's there's oil all over the there's this huge oil slick all over the the waves. That that catches fire or whatever. But the crazy thing is, no one knows it's missing because the ship was ordered to go radio silent. So they only noticed that it was not back. Three days later, right? And the story, and this is why it's the Jaws story, and the story gets crazy because there are a bunch of dead people in the water. They're all bleeding, and sharks start showing up, right? And then for three days, you have these sailors who are in rafts. They're floating on wreckage, right? They're just, like, trying to stay alive. There's fire still burning all around them or whatever, and they are being picked off and eaten by Tiger sharks, right in you know the Pacific Ocean, um, and oh, boy, is that frightening? Yeah. <laughs> like a frightening, you know, a frightening thought. Anyway, so I yeah, I the, my, a lot of my YouTube is uh, like a lot of my YouTube is this super dumb interpersonal drama with Destiny, and a lot of my YouTube is ship shipwrecks and like you know ocean ocean liners all that other kind yeah, of stuff
0: yeah I, I was to say i was under the impression that the arizona was was one of the worst disasters the arizona is the one that's like bombed in pearl harbor and like sinks oh yeah
1: and it flips over yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, Yeah, they and the the guys were all inside, but they couldn't get them out, and they all drowned. Yeah, yeah. I also think it might technically be the Kursk. Uh, I don't know if you know about the Kursk. The Kursk is a a uh, a Soviet sub, a Soviet nuclear submarine. It was actually the biggest and most powerful nuclear submarine in the Soviet army. And during a naval exercise, a torpedo went off in the in the front of the ship, um, and it exploded. Uh, But the Soviets were so everyone everyone found out about it immediately basically but they were so like Image-conscious that they didn't admit that an accident happened, um, and by the time they finally did admit, all of the you know all of the the sailors had drowned. And there's actually evidence that they actually survived in the tail. A good amount of sailors survived in the in the stern of the of the submarine at the bottom of the sea. And they probably could have been rescued if they had like done so in time. But instead, the you know kind of the Soviet propaganda machine let let them let them drown. Yeah. <laughs> Real fucked up. That, so
0: speaking of communists being terrible, um, <laughs> I actually like. I actually this actually reminded me of this. Is I've been reading the Three Body Problem. Um, the
1: what's the Three Body Problem? It is a like
0: science fiction novel um, by a, a Chinese author that was translated into English in twenty twelve. There's a Netflix series coming out this year that's an adaptation of it. Um, it's um, but it opens so apparently when it was initially being written it was serialized and the part that's the opening in the english version is like in the middle of the chinese version kind of because like it needed to get get popular before because the opening scene is a literal mao mao session right like um the father of one of the primary characters is being uh being put on like es- essentially a show trial um he's being mao maoed for counter revolutionary activity for teaching physics because physics is like uh, you know, physics is like from the decadent West, and you know, you, you have to reject that and embrace communism, right? It's like a kind of like very brutal um, kind of like showing of like, you know, communist era era China. And uh, our, the character that is being memoed refuses to say, like, he's like, Do you admit to like spreading false, you know, Western propaganda? He's like, No, this is like real. This physics is like real, and these are facts of the universe. And he is, like, beaten to death um, in front of his daughter, who is, like, the 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 main character for that section of the book. Um, at some point, it jumps to the present day. Um, she enters the story a little bit later. Our main character in the present day is a, uh, is a nanomaterial scientist who is, like, caught up in this thing where, like, um, several prominent researchers have committed suicide. And uh, a bunch of – and, like, he gets called into, like, a – basically a battle command station that involves the People's Liberation Army and CIA operatives and people and like someone from the from Britain as well and so it's like something big is happening and I haven't quite gotten to the part of what it is Um, there's a lot in there but it has been captivating so far Um, the three-body problem is like a famous physics problem it's also in universe there's like a video game that has like a VR suit that I can like part like feelings to your body kind of like a ready player one style suit um but the in the game it's like civilization it's the the game is essentially civilization tries to advance itself to end state but like without like with, with days being essentially there's like periods of chaos and periods of stability and during periods of chaos the days don't happen at regular cycles and like they could burn you up or whatever and the whole objective of the game seems to be to figure out what the cycle of chaos and stability is because if you can solve that problem then you can like advance civilization during a period of stability and they have a way to like keep people safe during periods of chaos um and uh it's 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 a very interesting book and hopefully i will have more to say about it in a week or so when i finish it but uh it's been it's been good. Um, um, there is a character. Um, uh, I don't want to. It's like Dashi is his nickname, which means like Big She. Um, and he is a. He's like a rough and tough. He's like a, a cop that appears to be a shit bag, but is all actually like very ob- observational. He's like he's probably my favorite character at this point because he's like the like the shithead that actually knows like, you know, like the uh, diamond in the rough type guy, um, you know. Kind of a shithead, but like has enough powers of observation that it can be like, ah, like, like it's essentially one of the plot points is, is like the scientist is like beset by something that's like making him go crazy, and like he's like, like and it's like appears to violate several like fundamental phys- physical principles of the universe, and he's going like he's starting to go nuts, and then like this character is like, look, I've been looking at this for a while, and I'm pretty sure someone is behind it, and like, you know, like, don't don't let yourself get wrapped up in this because there's like, if is, oh, I, for, I forget the exact wording, but he's like, I've got a rule. If things are weird, that means that like things being weird mean that someone's behind it. Not that like, you know, you're, the whole world's coming crashing down. Um, uh, th- three body problems referencing them um, actually, uh, which, you know, makes sense. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, I've been hearing about it for a while, um, and so I, uh, it is actually on a podcast I listen to, alienating the audience. They talked about it, so I'm listening, reading the book, so I can listen to the podcast episode. So, um, uh, yeah, I would recommend what I've read of it so far. I'm listening to it on on tape. So.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the weird thing, I, I have also been reading a book, uh, Haphazardly shooting on Communists, which is uh, the famous book of uh, The End of History. You know, oh. this, this book actually Frank gets Fik- clowned Frank Fukuyama, yeah. Yeah, this book it gets clowned on so much. People people always make fun of this book. But I actually find it really compelling. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, um, I don't know. The, mo- the Honestly, the more I do this, the more I realize just, like, m- my whole world is a lie, right? Uh, it's, like, one of those things where, like, somebody reads a headline, comes to a radically bad conclusion about it, and then, like... Makes fun of it, but like if you if they were actually to have read the article, they I would have, have like I've seen heard something this completely as well, different.
0: That, like, yeah, the end of history, like, it was like, Oh, I guess history didn't end it, and there, Frank Fukuyama, and that's yeah, because no, the, the, the
1: point case. is that he's referencing the thing that Mark that Karl Marx said, which is that you know, like, humans are naturally progressive. This is something I've, I've always believed humans are naturally progressive, they build on you know, kind of past knowledge. We use our repositories of knowledge in order to jumpstart the knowledge of future generations, right? right? Um, such that like kids in kindergarten are like learning principles of math that took you know however however many hundreds and thousands of years to to kind of like coalesce or whatever um and um uh and said that socialism was going to be the end of history it was going to be the perfect form of government that the world was going to sort of end up at, right? Um, and what Francis Fukuyama is basically saying is uh, no, actually it's liberal democracies, get fucked. <laughs> like, you know, he's actually he, do we ask with you, he's not even mean about it, right? He is just de- he's just making a demonstrable point, yeah, right? Yeah. Which is that, yes, this is true, this is a thing that has happened. Uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union means that really there's no other kind of governmental challenger to the archetypal framework of the liberal democracy that was sort of typified in the American and French revolutions in, you know, know The late 1700s, so, uh, and it's just like that. It's it's, frankly, wild to me reading reading this this book given you know sort of like that context because it came out you know whatever 30 years ago, um. So <laughs> yeah, no, yeah.
0: there's there's a bunch of stuff in that kind of vein, um, yeah. Oh man, this this reminds me of so Chat GPT four is out. I don't know if the one that's on the Chat GPT website is actually Chat GPT four. If you have to like get super access but because that came out i went to chat gpt and i asked chat gpt why is communism when no food and um <laughs> it actually understood what i was asking um really yeah it like it, it was like it was like while communism is often associated with food shortages and it gave me like a lo- first it like thought for like like a good minute right and i was like <laughs> laughing because i was like it's trying to figure and it like <laughs> gives me like a page long explanation of like you know you know how things have happened but like not out you know you know you know it's not necessarily communism's fault you know like this is like the a whole kind of explanation it was funny to me cuz like if you just kind of like read it on face it was kind of like you know like you know left wing meme status type deal right like you know um but like it was it was it did a good job right like you know the future's here guys right like um yeah that that's
1: it it's it's frightening i guess uh you know the uh, like my okay so my grandfather was a linguist right uh he was a linguist very you know he his his whole thing was um he translated uh the the sort of indigenous it's a little bit of a creole um the indigenous language of this group of uh people who lived in the mountains of Peru called the Quechua, he translated their language into Spanish, right? And made the first kind of like Quechua Spanish dictionary so that they could, you know, kind of like you, you could, you could have, have talks, uh, sort of like back and forth because for a long time, they were essentially using like a, a, a Creole of the, the, the Quechua language that incorporated a lot of Spanish loan words, basically. Um, and uh, and one of the things that he did is he made the very first uh, computer program called WinSalsa that was a Spanish-English dictionary, right, where you could, you know, I'm sure I could do this, like, Google Translate is essentially the, the sort of yeah. uh, eventual brainchild of this. But you could you could pay my grandfather 20 bucks, and you would get a program on your machine, and you would type in whatever, dog, and you would get petal that, kind of, that, kind of, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I once asked him that question. I once asked him, I was like, uh, you know, could I use this to uh, like translate in, in the Google translate way, right? Could I use this to like translate a, tr- translate a sentence? And he said at the t- I remember him saying at the time, he's like, no, like I, you, you can't do that um, because computers can't think in the way that humans think about language. And he kind of was talking about how the language is a, inherently, like, insanely complex things that our brains are particularly... This is actually, like, Noam Chomsky's thing, right? Human brains are particularly built to create and understand language in really complex ways, in the ways that people don't realize are that complex at all, right? So, for instance, our ability to create antecedents and pronouns um, and refer to to, to certain objects by different words, but, like, communicating that to like a computer he was like uh, he he totally was like i don't think a computer could ever do this which obviously he was wrong i mean he was uh whatever a 70 year old man in the 90s right Uh, like computers were not built for this uh but um You, you know what's you know
0: what's really funny that stuff you're talking about that was like i didn't do anything directly with it but like um one of the leading researchers in or two several many of the leading researchers in the field were in the computer science department at our alma mater um Really? Yeah, like, J- Jay Eisner, I took a class, I took an NLP class with him. Um, uh, he, like when, I, like, when I was, like, a freshman, he was talking about how, like, you know, basically the stuff you were talking about, right, is, like, you know, um, the, I, like, you know, like, the construction of typhoid Mary as a thing that we understand is, like, a thing that's, like, ha- really hard to describe to a computer, right? Like, because you could say, like, you know, Chainsaw Tom and mean it in the same sense right but you need like you know the context for it and we can like intuitively get that but like computers really can't all right and yeah um and even now right like the the big question with chat GPT, right is like is like is it doing a fun trick or is that what human is like are humans just like a bag of fun tricks right like no
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's the that's the question, isn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because there's a lot of this stuff. I mean, th- this is also something that um, you know, uh, like my my dad when he he was riding a bike, he got hit by a car, and one of the things is like it has dramatically altered the way that he can do things, like uh, like it's it's almost like he had a stroke in a way. Um. like hold a conversation while doing something with his hands right like he just can't he can't possibly do that anymore uh just because like the part in his brain that was built for this just is kind of is like kind of gone um and uh and there's like a lot of like interactions around that where there are these like silent automatic things that our brains do that we don't even we don't even glance at right um that that we sort of take for granted, right? Uh, this is also like the Boston Dynamics people t- talked about this. Like the process of human balance is really insane and complicated, right? Um, how the automatic functions of our inner ear work uh, to to create balance was like the thing that was the, f- the big hurdle to creating real robots, which is why they put out those videos of robots doing these insane jump tricks and all this other stuff now because they have by this point mathed it out.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 very cool like it's all you know we it's what was it some somebody i was reading recently was like you know we might be at like the bottom of like a very steep curve that's going to take off anytime soon or we might not be but we can't tell until we're there right like yeah um which would be insane yeah i have
1: game designer friends who are not afraid of gpt, GPT at all because they're the thing is like is they essentially it's like the uh the illusion right right like chat GPT is a very advanced version of a mass effect dialogue tree is sort of the underlying thought there um, where the, you know, it itself is not thinking it is like collating data that is being fed to it. And it is just such huge mounds of data that there's not actually thought happening there. It is just assembling words in the way that you want them to be, that that you want them to be assembled. Which I don't know that I believe that. I, I don't know that I buy that framing of it. Um, but technically speaking, I I understand the principle that they're they're sort of outlining right, like yeah. that ChatGPT is not demonstrating real true intelligence, right? It is just uh, orders. It is it is working at such insane orders of magnitude of data, right? That it can uh, that it can look real close.
0: Yeah. No. I mean the. The kind of formal way it works is is you know, it, it predicts the most likely kind of next set of words and like spits them out with some variance, some randomness put in there. Um and part of the question is is like at at some point how much of that is like what we do, right? Like Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I mean um I say for a while, at least at least next like may I, I might eat my words on this, right? But like Um, I would say for a little while, like the creative, like the purely creative endeavors, right? Like, like this is the thing with like, like AI art, right? Like I think AI art is cool because it allows me who has no artistic talent to like generate something that's like vaguely beautiful with like good prompt engineering, right? Like prompt engineering is still a skill you need at some level. And like, Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a thing I think for at least a, a, a little while. Um, um, and it's just kind of like another tool in the toolbox, right? Like, um, like, game designers, I think, are pretty good for a little while. But, like, I think that, like, I as a software developer, I think that there's, like, rapidly, we're coming to a point where, like, yeah. Like, I have, I have, I have, um let me make sure I can, th- let me think about this. So I will talk about ChatGPT because I can be sure that I won't give away anything that way. Um, you can ask ChatGPT to write code for you, and it will write mostly correct code for you. Um and there are ways to integrate that kind of stuff with with other tools that like, like, might make my job redundant at some point, because um, um, at, at some level you need the understanding to kind of understand what it gets wrong. But at some point it'll stop getting things wrong, right? Yeah. Um, and the other big stuff here is like kind of like workaday things that like, like, like contract law and like doctors, right? Like general practitioners. D- d- these these things are coming for for those people, right? Because like it's like a lot of rote stuff that like, you know, you can have a machine do. Um,
1: it's nuts! It's nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. I, I do know what that's like for game design uh, because one of the engineers that we that we work with is really into um, AI. You know, like integrating uh, AI and in how our engineers work. Um, I don't I don't like I don't know the specifics of it, uh, but I just know that this is the, like his thing is this is a really powerful tool that is sort of uh, sort of like a force multiplier, yeah. right? Like you, one engineer can make more code by smart use of AI, basically, um, which is true, right? You know, we, here, we're a company, 40 people, not a lot of engineers have to do a lot of coding. Being able to use AI to your advantage like that, that's really powerful, so. Oh, God, that's weird. It's weird to think about.
0: What <laughs> uh, do you do? Hold on. Okay. So I have found an article that talks about some of this stuff. Um, there's this idea of machine learning enhanced code completion. I have used some of it. It is great. It is not enough to take away my job yet, but, like, you can see where that goes. Right? Like, yeah. Um, it is. It's nuts. It's We're living in the future, buddy. Soon, we could, we could already, right, like, feed our back catalog into, like, a voice thing and have it talk like us. And it'll sound kind of, like, you would tell it was a robot, but, like, you know, if you wanted to have, like, Buddy and Mango, like, read, you know, a, your audio book for you, right, like, you could probably do that. We've got enough data out there that's publicly available,
1: yeah, that's true. Uh I have you uh, there was a while where I got sucked down the rabbit hole of uh Actually, you probably heard this. Have you ever heard me refer to Dave in Raid as a sad apustaya? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because oh, that yeah. is a reference to yeah, that's a reference to the AI generated presidential debate from 2023 where like <laughs> Donald Trump is calling Joe Biden cringe, and Joe Biden is like, "Actually, I'm the Giga Chad. You are cringe." Yeah. Like, means, <laughs> and, and like, it's a whole those, meme those now, memes right? are insanely funny. Right? Yeah, like o- Obama, Trump, and Biden play video games together. <laughs> <Yeah. right>? like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah the the have you seen the WoW version of uh, I have not the, seen WoW the WoW version one. of that? It is very funny. It's it's Mythic Plus focused, so you might not get it as much as uh, you know, uh, like one that's like more focused on raid. But it's just like it is, it's very funny. Uh, but yeah, like it's weird that AI generated voices are 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 a meme. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, it's uh, it's nuts. it's not.
1: Oh, yeah, th- and that one streamer, I remember. This drama was pretty funny like the streamer who had to apologize because he was watching um AI porn oh, of other streamers, streamers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like streamers he was fr- like streamers he was friends with and everybody was uh everybody's was big was big mad about it. <laughs>
0: yeah? No, I mean that's <sighs> like that's uh Man, that's like its own thing too, right? Like cuz like that's like that's like deep faking type stuff, which is like been yeah. a thing that's been like on the horizon, right? Like um Yeah. I don't know. Man. All right, well
1: Future. As Squidward yeah. as Squidward famously said
0: <laughs> If you would like to email us about the future, you can email us at some play games at gmail.com or podcast at You'll follow us on twitch.tv slash Drips or YouTube.com slash at some dirt Uh I should probably disclose here that I am I am employed by Google, so I do not work on YouTube, but you know, obviously, that in some indirect way helps me. Um, uh, uh, rate, review us on iTunes wherever you find podcasts. Um, that's everything I have. But do you have anything you're looking to promote?
1: Uh, PAX, yeah. I'm, uh, well, yeah. We're going to be we're to be at at PAX. Akupara, um, you know, we have five games that we're showing off. Three of which have been announced. Two of which we're announcing kind of on the day. Um, so you know, if you if you're Kona PAX come hang out with us the big thing that we're doing is this thing called the Aquapara packsport which is a um, uh, like a like a raffle thing sort of that we're doing every day so p- players who come by and they play our games they kind of get get um, a raffle ticket essentially, and then come back to the booth at the end of the day and we'll, we'll do prizes. I am lugging all of those prizes from Los Angeles. Uh, so please appreciate them because fuck me. It, it is making my night. It is making my travel, uh, nightmarish. <laughs> yep.
0: Um, I will be at PAX too, not in any official capacity anyway, but if you see me and you want to say hi, um, cause you know, we have so many adoring fans feel free to say hi. I will probably be at some point, around the uh the Akupara booth because I want to say hi to buddy my my good friend that I haven't seen in person in oh I guess i saw you last year but you know still been a That's while That's true yeah uh, and not in a while Yeah yeah All right uh well with that I will say uh until next time dear listeners
1: Until next time loyal listeners